0: you've attended council hearings in person you've tuned in to our televised proceedings on channel 13 now you have the chance to listen to us on the radio as we demystify the work of the people who do it this is not a council hearing this is hearing the council with your host josh gibson thank you deep voice person with a funky backbeat indeed this is not a council hearing this is hearing the council You can't have a government without a council, so you can't have a government radio station without a council show. This is it. We're coming to you from the Train Track Enclosed Nerve Center, that's the headquarters of the Office of Cable TV, Film, Music, and Entertainment. It's also the historic headquarters of Black Entertainment Television, so it's an honor to be here. Dearly beloved, we're gathered here today to celebrate this thing called the council. I'm Josh Gibson, Director of Communications for the Council. You may also know me as the Council's voice on social media, at Council of DC. If you don't follow us already, get with the program. Here at the Council, our communications goal is to engage with residents in an informative, conversational, and sometimes even enjoyable way. You know if you follow us on Twitter, we're believers in the Mary Poppins School of Communications. A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. We want to make it easy for average residents to understand what the council does. We're demystifying our work and the people who do it. Remember, the D.C. Council's just like your workplace, except with the dais. On the show, we try to keep things light, offbeat, informal, and interesting. You'll learn about policy, learn about people, learn about history, and learn about the institution. Listeners, you know we've wrapped up our first and second rounds of interviews with council members. They're available on SoundCloud and iTunes. Those focused mainly on getting to know the council members, their backgrounds and biographies, successes and struggles. Now in our third round, we're going to focus more on the people at the council, colleagues, co-workers, community leaders and the like. And a disclaimer, we shared the general questions in advance so the council members could prep if they chose to, and the council members can always pass on a question if they want. So without any further ado, let's welcome our guest today, at-large council member David Grosso. Well, thanks for having me back. Uh, it's good to be back on the show, Josh. No problem. And I'm always thrilled and amazed when a council member comes back into the, <laughs> uh, into the, the lion's den of comedy and weirdness that is, uh, that is hearing the council. But uh, it's it's an oh, honor.
1: I, I felt like I had no choice, to be honest with you. You
0: know, it's something <laughs> that you know I'm told to do, and it's, I, I just uh, it's come because I'm told. I'd, I'd like to hear who tells you <laughs> that, uh, because I know it's certainly not me. Uh, but joking. but it's it's a thrill. So honestly, thank you. Uh, but yeah, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, about role models. You you strike me as someone who is deeply um, principled. Um, I know you were a philosophy major in college. Um, so let's talk about the people who, who got you to be the principal person you are. Um, so throw out a name or two of someone, uh, maybe someone you knew in person, and uh, maybe someone who you didn't know, uh, you know, a famous person, a person from history.
1: Well, thanks uh, for the question. You know, the. This is not a very difficult question for me because everything that I do and uh, where my principles are rooted it, it go directly back to my mother, uh, Marie Dennis. Uh, she. Uh, taught us all, um, I have five brothers and sisters, and uh, taught us at a, at a very, very young age that uh, it was uh, both our opportunity but also our obligation to do everything we could to take the privilege that we were born with to try to make the world a better place. And um, The one thing that she did was lead by example. Uh, everything uh, throughout her life has been geared towards social justice and reform and uh, literally trying to chip away at the injustice in the world. So from a very young age we were uh, collating mailers, we were doing fundraising calls, we were uh, participating in protests, marches, demonstrations, and we were also uh, being introduced to people uh, that uh, crossed her path who were amazing uh, individuals who were on the same path. My mom founded an alternative uh, community here in the District of Columbia in 1986, and I was um, 16 and moved in with her at the time, uh, back to the city from the country, and that community is still up and running. It's the Assisi community, named after Francis Assisi from Assisi, uh, where they uh, take vows of poverty, and they live uh, with the poor and for the poor, and uh, spend their lives doing work that hopefully will turn the world around, and focus more on those uh, that need the help and uh, less on making people richer
0: now as a parent I ask myself the same question because there's kind of two uh, directions that parenting can take there's the lead by example and then there's the rebellion you know like sometimes your kids do what you want them to do and the the path you lead them down and then other times it goes the total opposite direction where they're just like they throw their hands up and they're like this stinks I'm doing the total polar opposite of the the path you've shown me um, do, do you think your mom had any concerns that it was gonna be like you know forget about this this junk
1: you know I you know she uh, taught us uh, very very young age that she would love us no matter what and that it um, whatever we chose to do we it was our decision to do whatever we wanted to do but that uh, underlying that all was an expectation that we were going to be good people and we were going to do things uh, that would do our part in making the world better so um, I think when you have a foundation that deep in love and know that you're loved and that that you're going to be loved no matter what decision you make like, Um, You might rebel for a bit, uh, which I did, uh, but you usually come back and understand and listen. And it took me a few years. Uh, You know, we've talked about it before. I worked in the bar business. And um, a good example of my mom's kind of interventions at the time was uh, she would uh, call me up out of the blue and say, Hey, uh, what are you doing with all your free time? Uh, Would you like to sit down and have lunch and talk about some options? And as a result, I volunteered at uh, Christ House here in DC. I I did the work with uh, uh, volunteers on the border where I was down in Central America. All this was because my mother was constantly pushing me, but gently, uh, to do more with my life uh, than um, spend it, uh, you know, really having a lot of fun uh, and uh, bartending and hanging out with my friends and going to concerts. And so um, it's not that uh, we had like a big epiphany decision to make, and I don't think anyone ever does, but her the way she was a role model was very intentional, knowing that, um, that she loved us no matter what, but also had expectations that we were going to do more uh, than, than, um, than not.
0: And, and what do you, from, from living that lifestyle, what, um, what sustains you, what, what keeps you going? I think the
1: reality that, uh, that there's great joy in seeing um, people um, get something out of the work that you do. And uh, changing society a little bit for the better every day, pushing that uh, to a new place uh, through work is, I think, the most gratifying thing that I do. I love uh to see the impact of the policies that we make uh, I love to see um the uh, twinkle in somebody's eye when you say Yes, I can help you here some ways that we can get you something more for your for your struggles and and to get you through it um but you know it's it's never um it's, it's never that obvious, to be honest with you. It, it's going to take time. A lot of the work we do and a lot of the, the work that I've done is, is, a, is a long, long-term impact. It's not going to just uh, result in a tomorrow uh, saying, look, there's a new building or there's a new you know road or something. It's more uh, substantive than that.
0: Gotcha. Now, do you do you ha- have a, a, an additional role model that you'd cite as someone who, who is outside your personal life, or is, is that just kind of the one, the beat all and end all? Uh? Well, as you noted already, I am a philosophy major,
1: and so um, we did a chronological view of philosophy. And so I have a lot of respect for people that took the time to write, uh, to think, to become, uh, to give the opportunity to other human beings to be critical thinkers. Uh, people like Kierkegaard and like Kant um these are people that uh, sacrificed greatly during their time in this world, but did it in the uh, with the eye towards creating a better opportunity for others. Um, but I, I would be remiss to say that you know I didn't uh, view Gandhi and others like Gandhi as role models because my mother, uh, whenever we visited the city before we moved here, we'd go talk about Gandhi and understand Gandhi's role and visit his statue out on Mass Ave. You know, and it's like. How do you um, not have role models that are real movers and shakers, people that resist injustice, A big role model for me uh, is Oscar Romero in El Salvador, who uh, sacrificed his life for the betterment of uh, the people that lived in El Salvador and were struggling in El Salvador. Um, I have a long list. It includes uh, Fannie Lou Hamer and Charles Hamilton Houston, people that, uh, again, sacrificed in their own personal world to make the world a better place for others. If Charles Hamilton Houston hadn't dedicated his career at Howard University Law School to create a generation of lawyers, uh, we wouldn't have had the civil rights movement. We wouldn't have the progress that we've made in our country around racial justice. And so it's important, I think, to remember some of the unsung
0: heroes that sacrificed a lot to get to where we are today. Uh, I feel like some of the latter category names you mentioned are folks that, that uh, people hear about or even taught about in elementary schools, But and, and this is sort of an unfair question to spring on you, but a Kierkegaard or a Kant, how would you Describe someone like that to someone who might not have familiarity with sort of higher-level philosophy.
1: Um, These types of philosophers, the ones that I got to study, starting all the way from Socrates and Aristotle going all the way through, were people that were willing to ask the question. We call them disruptors now. These are the people that innovate and disrupt. These were the people that were willing to ask the hard questions about everyday reality you know, do we think, can we think, how do we think? And move the ability for human beings to imagine what we could do to a new level. Um, so taking us out of a uh, more rudimentary thought process to more advanced, and I think uh, they opened the door for us becoming more critical thinkers. They opened the door for us to become more intentional and deliberate about what we do with our lives, um, and and they did that with a, you know pure intellectual analysis of what we can and can't do as human beings. But you know, we if you hadn't done that, if they hadn't been there challenging the society to do something different. Uh, it's like John Locke or somebody like that. You would end up, I think, with a society that is continually stumped and doesn't get to a, you know, expand horizons for everybody. And they open that door, and I admire that.
0: Now, if you look like, uh, at, a, at a, a disruptor, or if you look at someone like Houston, or someone like on the conservative side of things where the conservatives decided they want to change the judiciary, and they put in place a generational change in the judiciary. Is there anyone you look to who is putting in a generational change uh, into how we think? Um, I, I, I struggle myself to think of anyone who is thinking in the long game, kind of on either side of the yeah, I, I the, mean, I think the a, 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 ideological. The most post. recent example that comes to mind is President Obama. You know,
1: he had a, a, one of his very first speeches being president. And he said, "Look, I may not be able to make change overnight, but I can change the course of things over time and set the country on a different trajectory." And I think he understood that his role was not to be flashy and you know throw a whole bunch of change at everybody right up front, but that if he could tweak some things, um, and I think the the bill with uh, the universal you know attempt to try to get people health care throughout the country. I didn't agree with the approach, but I think he understood that in order to move our country to a better place, which ultimately I hope is uh, you know 100% uh, paid for health care in this country, that he had to take those incremental steps. But I know for sure that the President Obama's smart and understood this and is a critical thinker enough that he could see the long game there was to begin with Obamacare, begin with health care reform in the insurance model. Uh, before we would actually be able to take the next step to get to uh, universal
0: care. Yeah, it, it's just so hard to think about that kind of, to have the discipline to think about, I'm going to do something and in 40 years, right, you're going to see it's going to make a big difference. And, he, and
1: you may not even be there to see the difference, you know. And I right. just, I really admired him because he has, I, have, I still admire him. He has, as president, he had a lot of pressure. To make radical change, to do things that were very quick and turn around things on a on a dime, but he I think very astutely understood that uh, that was impossible to do in this kind of a country and this kind of a government, and that there were many injustices, and that all he could do was try to bend the curve a little bit towards a better
0: a better world for people in this country right and I know there was talk about about um, a statue for Houston. In D.C., for putting out that farm team of civil rights lawyers. There should be. I, I honestly believe that. I think uh, Charles Hamilton Houston was uh, the- one of the best lawyers of all time. Wow. As we frequently do, we've gone a bit further afield than I planned No, no, it, it's me, it's me, it's not you. Uh, but anyway, let's sort of bring things a little back uh, closer to the council. Um, so uh, let's talk a little bit about, uh, about, first, about your colleagues. Is there uh, sort of council members past or present? Is there anyone you look to as a role model there? well I'm certainly um, Sharon Ambrose uh, who I worked for for six
1: years is mm-hmm. uh, a role model for me and her her thoughtfulness her deliberation uh, her willingness to talk and engage with every member of the ward six community she was the ward six council member I also have a tremendous amount of respect for Linda crop uh, she I thought uh, ran the council as a chairperson in a very fair way in a way that really impressed me when I was a staffer and I and I and I often often think of her in that way role. Um, And then, you know, I have had the opportunity to speak some with uh, former council member Bill Lightfoot. Uh, And, you know, his approach, I think, is also something that we can admire. He uh, really was uh, doing it for, I think, all the right reasons. Uh, He also knew when it was time to do something different in his career and life, and I I have a lot of respect for him as
0: well. Uh, Now, how about Council staff? Um, uh, There are a lot of people that get... um, They get a lot of attention uh council staff wise are there any behind the scenes heroes that you would that you would point out in terms of council staff you strike me as there's a couple of council members who do a good job of naming names when they see council staff the behind the scene folks uh acknowledge them by name say hello you strike me as one of those folks um is there anyone who jumps out as someone that maybe the average joe would never know or notice but you know plays a critical role.
1: Um, I think that 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 job, as uh, I did it myself for a while, I have a tremendous amount of respect for the council staff, uh, both behind the scenes uh, and, you know, I I often uh, get frustrated and don't have an opportunity to thank everyone the way I would like to. Um, Not their fault, um, but I have a ton of respect for the way that the secretary's office at the council holds us together and keeps us moving forward in spite of 13 members that are running around like crazy half the time. Um, And then you know, the, the reality is that uh, every anyone who makes that decision to be a staff member of a council member's office or generally in the council building uh, is making a decision to give back. It's making a decision to do public service in a way that uh, not everyone chooses. And I have a lot of respect for that choice. And uh, I also know from, you know, experience that it, it isn't always... Um, a place where people stand up and say oh thank you so much for that report you wrote you know or that work that you did or how you managed that hearing um, but the fact is is that all the staff pitch in and do the best job that they can do and I have a lot of respect for them I you know I my staff in in particular I spend a, a lot of time choosing who is on my staff and who I'm going to hire because I want people that are going to challenge me I want Critical thinkers. I want a diverse team that teaches me uh, along the way on how I can do a better job. And um, so each and every one of them are remarkable, remarkable individuals. Who, again, I mean, their willingness to, to work with me is a sacrifice in and of itself. But the fact is that they they spend uh, long hours making sure that this city is has a bright future.
0: Now, how about uh, community leaders? We were talking about farm team before. Uh, a lot of our community leaders uh, you know a and c civic associations and the like uh, even student leaders are going to be our future council members um, are you i know it 's always difficult to pick out one person or a handful of people in particular, but is there anyone who has kind of caught your eye that uh, is an up and comer
1: so um, i 'll be a little less uh political about this one and just tell you straight up who I think are our future leaders in the district of Columbia I work with an organ a group of students at Thurgood Marshall Academy, and they have created an organization called Pathways to Power. And these are high school students that have stepped up to the calling um, and out of a uh, tragedy. Um, Zion Kelly, uh, Zaire's brother, right. uh, started this with his classmates at Thurgood Marshall Academy after his brother was murdered. And um, he said, you know, I'm not going to sit on my hands. I'm not going to you know, do um, what a lot of people choose to do, which is uh, do revenge or something like that or hold like all this animosity in my life i'm going to try to do something positive and um zion uh, pulled me in and asked me if i would listen and i and i've tried to listen i've gotten to know some amazing uh, students there who are going to be future leaders uh, who are future leaders but are going to be very strong leaders in our city i think trinity brown is another one that i've worked with and she's a student there now a senior now now uh, trying to make her way in this world but no matter what she does she's going to make a huge difference um just last year um, Zion was invited to go to Italy uh, to talk about peace and to talk about making a more peaceful world. And he toured. With one of his teachers, um, you know, four or five cities in Italy, having uh, conversations on an international spectrum about peace and nonviolence. Well, I mean, this is a young man who's just lost his brother, who's willing to step up to work with others to try to find a way forward that doesn't include violence. Um, there's a just I just have a tremendous amount of respect for that choice and believe that um, if we're if we're uh, lucky in the District of Columbia, these students will come back here after they go to college and and invest their uh, thought and their hard
0: work in, in making our city a better place. And what, what are the students that are involved? What are they doing um, uh, with other students in D.C. currently to prevent a similar fate?
1: So what they are doing is organizing. So they are trying to coordinate meetings between other schools. And in particular, they're starting with schools that are have also experienced uh, this type of loss, uh, sc- certainly schools in their own community in Ward 8, uh, but all around the city. Last summer, uh, they volunteered, and um, I uh, recruited them to actually run my town halls. So I do uh, an eight education-themed town halls a year, one in each ward. and I had 10 students that were connected to me through Pathways to Power that um, were able to um, set the agenda you know, run the meetings, do the Q&A. I mean, I was there with them, my staff was with them, but we did in libraries around the city. They are doing a mural project uh, to talk about uh, nonviolence and to commemorate uh, students that have been lost, uh, and they're trying to do a mural in every ward. Um, uh, there's so much that they have going on. Uh, they, they are an amazing group of
0: young uh, students and young people, and they will, I think, make a huge difference and what are their thoughts and what actions are they taking in light of the uptick in violence we've seen recently
1: you really should ask them that question definitely Um, but and and i it would really love it if you could do an interview at some point with them and it'd be a good opportunity if you want i can put you in touch they i think would say and I, i don't want to put words in their mouths and i've met with them intentionally without press around because I don't want to be seen as taking advantage of our relationship uh... they are um, talking about how do you the one thing that sticks out in my mind is that how do you go and um, embrace or support a young person who either dropped out of school or got into trouble and was put into detention at DYRS or New Beginnings, at the moment that that young person comes back into the community, into the neighborhood, how do you wrap your arms around that student to give her or him the support that 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 student needs to be um, out of the violent model and move them towards more of a nonviolent model of life? And this is about conflict resolution. It's about trying to manage your own emotions and this is what they've advised us and, and they've done it, this group has done it at, you know, Ward 8 Safe Passage meetings, they've done it at uh, council hearings, they've done it like I said, at my town halls and they talked a lot about uh to eliminate the violence in the community you can't ignore the reality that uh, when a student gets kicked out of school or when a student has a problem where they have an interaction with the law and they lose their freedom for a period of time that student can't just be forgotten you can't just say, it doesn't matter what happens with that student, because that's the same person that's going to come back with less hope, with less vision for their own future, and is going to need the most supports to keep them from perpetuating the the cycle of violence that is happening in our city. Uh, I, I think it's also important for us to have credible messengers in the community with the adults, which I know that we're doing in the city, but um, there's this nuanced, uh, important element to the violence that is youth. You know, if you look at the paper, who's doing the shooting, who's getting shot, it's a lot of them are 16 to 24 year olds. These are uh, people that, if they had the right opportunity for uh, education for management of their emotions for conflict resolution tools they might choose something different other than the use of a gun and it's important to get the guns off the street but as long as they're there i think um, these students from pathways to powers as well as uh, uh, my feelings include getting out there and embracing these students that have been lost and give them an opportunity Um, we have uh, started a um, a task force and it's now become a formal council of um, interested parties from all the different agencies to wrap our minds around how we better serve students who are in the care of the District of Columbia. So youth in the care of DC are students that are in foster care, students that are in DYRS care, um, other areas where they are in our care, right? They may be in our homeless system and how do we make sure that those youth don't fall through the cracks, and then become perpetuators of the violence in our city. And that is, I think, an education question. It's a, a human services question. It's a justice question, and how do you manage that? And so I've learned a lot from, uh, from these students uh, at Thurgood Marshall, and in the, in the especially uh, the, the small group of um, students that are organized in the government relations class, you know, the government class. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and this is, uh, I think, a, a path forward for um,
0: a elimination of the violence on our streets. Yep. Sounds like it couldn't be more important. Sounds like there's a corner that could be turned, and uh, there's nothing more important than getting that corner turned. I agree. To save
1: lives. You know, you, were, you probably watched the mayor council breakfast yesterday. We have, yeah. over the past several years, the same number of people shot in the city every single year. Over 500 people shot every single year. That's a tragedy. That's us doing a bad job with our education system. That's us not giving people the tools they need to resolve their conflicts without resorting to violence
0: what was interesting and what i didn't see anyone uh, in the media mention and unfortunately we have to go to some closeout questions but but an interesting fact was in an hour-long discussion there were a variety of people there from the government i don't think the chief of police spoke once in an hour-long conversation about violence and i think that's a positive i agree I, I, a, a positive change
1: Well, I mean, I think the chief of police has an obligation to listen uh, more and more and more and do real community policing and not continue to do the kind of jump out tactics that
0: didn't work in the 80s and is
1: not going to work in
0: 2010s. Right. Okay. Well, with absolutely, positively no transition at all, we're going to change to uh, some lighthearted closing okay, questions, like and then wrap up the half hour. Story of my life. Um, these have been these have been going over real well with colleagues. Uh-huh, um, so sure. basically, these are questions where I'm going to give you a series of oddball tasks, and you're going to have to tell me which of your current colleagues you would select to tackle these oddball tasks with. <laughs> okay. Um, and they've all done it. They've all had fun. So it's nothing. Nothing. No one else hasn't tackled yet. So, if you had to assemble IKEA furniture, which of your uh, colleagues would you tackle that with and why?
1: Um, I'd probably do that with uh Doe. Okay. Uh, you know, she she has, I think, an, an amazing job to look at the problem in front of her, analyze the right solutions, and then
0: tackle the problem quickly. Okay. Excellent. Well done. Um, driving cross-country. Um who would be good at it or who would it just be fun to, to do it with?
1: Uh I would love to do it um with all 13 members in a bus uh doing a lot of fun things on the bus. Never mind. Um I think probably Robert White. Uh, it'd be fun to go on a motorcycle across the country.
0: Okay. I can see that happening. Uh how about cooking up a feast?
1: Well, I don't know my colleagues cook. Uh I mean, I know I cook a lot, but I don't know about any of my colleagues' cooking techniques. Uh, my guess is um, i probably want to share a feast uh, with probably Kenyan. I wouldn't mind hanging out and, and cooking and eating with Kenyon
0: McDuffie. Okay, and why is that? I just think it'd be fun. Okay, that sounds fair. Uh, how about uh, putting together a musical playlist? Musical playlist? Uh, I think Trayon White. Because I would definitely learn about music that I don't know
1: about um, you know we have different tastes in music and it would be fun to learn about new artists
0: okay gotcha um, and uh, and this one always goes over well uh, fighting off barbarians <laughs> I have no idea probably Mary Che Mary Che Mary always che. wins Does on the she? Barbarians <laughs> it's so funny I know she wouldn't stop fighting until it was all over that's for sure yep, it's, that cracks me up but, but che, <laughs> che and the Barbarians <laughs> gotta watch out um, it'd also be a good band name Che and the Barbarians, and the Barbarians. so uh, uh, let's see let's hit you with one more before we go um, how about attempting to get out of an escape room Jack Evans, for sure. Okay. why and why?
1: Because because I think he's very good at getting out of things all the time, and so he's good at explaining himself and working his way to a new spot.
0: Okay? All right, well said. All right. Well, I think that pretty much takes out our time. So uh, thank you again, Councilmember Grasso, for joining us. Thank you for having me. As always, it's been fun. Greatly appreciate it. Listeners, thank you as well for joining us. Tune in again next time. We're at DC Radio, which is at 96.3 on your HD4 dial or at dcradio.gov. I'm Josh Gibson. This is not a council hearing. This is Hearing the Council. Thank you. Bye-bye.